heard done in all the years I've been preaching called What Happens After Christmas? What Happens After Christmas? So the thought is, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Sometimes if you love Christmas, like I do, I love Christmas, you come, you come after Christmas, you start going through your, your walk and through things, and you start thinking, um, now what? It's like a lot of anticipation and a lot of excitement and a lot of leading up to whatever it is you love about Christmas, and then all of a sudden it's over, right? I'm not going to ask you, if you to raise your hand if, you, if that's you, but how do you deal with the after Christmas funk, right? So I want to I preach a message on that tonight, and I want you to go to the, Luke chapter 2. And I want you to think about this. You know, we celebrate, we know why we celebrate Christmas. We're believers, like Paul said at the offering. We, we know it's Jesus' birth, and, and that's what we celebrate, our Savior. He's the reason for the season and everything. But people have get-togethers, people have food, people have presents, people have traditions. How many have traditions? Different things that you do every year that um, everybody has different things they do in traditions. So there are things that you look forward to. Some of that goes back to when you were young. And there's an anticipation that leads up to that. And then all of a sudden it's over and you kind of have a, a downer. How many know that every time there's something excite, exciting happening in our lives, not just Christmas, there's always a, a tendency to have a downer after it's over? Think about marriage, for example. Right? If anybody's married, you know that there's something called the honeymoon. And you know there's something called the excitement of, of all those days leading up to getting married. And all the thoughts of the lady, what she's going to wear, and the man, what he's going to wear, and what they're going to do, and what they're going to have, and all the songs, all this stuff leading up, and the bridal shower, and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, you say, I do, and you go on the honeymoon, you come back from the honeymoon, and all of a sudden, it's like, now what? Right. Now what, right? So that kind of the luster kind of rubs off. That happens the same way with us in our walk. Think about a child being born. I was thinking about this. Um, when all, We have several newborns in our church, and all these things leading up to a child being born, all the nine months of preparation, all the things that are going on, and the excitement, and, and, and then the baby's finally born. Is there a lot of crackling going on? All right, I'm going to take another mic if someone can give me a mic. Is there a mic anywhere? Where'd that mic go? All right, let's go with this, Joe. Is that better? Okay. That cracklings. I like cracklings when there's a fire. A little, amen. So all this excitement's happening, and then, and then the baby comes, and it's really exciting, and everybody calls everybody, and everybody says, the baby's born, and everybody's excited, and they come to the hospital, and they visit, and they look at it, and they hold it, and they say, oh, how cute. And sometimes that's just, you know, sometimes it is cute, and sometimes it's not, just saying, amen. Either way, you say, oh, it's so cute. And you look at it, and you hold it, and you're excited, and everybody comes and visits, and you're in the hospital, and there's nurses there, and they're helping you learn how to change the diapers, and they're teaching you how to give it a bottle, and everything is awesome. It's exciting. But then you go home. And nobody's there visiting, and no one's there to hold it when it cries. And now all of a sudden, especially people with their first child, say, what in the world do we do with this thing? <laughs> right? All of you that just had, first, you know, Brian and Joyce had their first one, and many of you that have had, their, remember your first one, you're thinking, what do we do now? All the luster's gone. And, and it was exciting, but now we have to get up in the morning and change the diapers and give it a bottle and all these different things. So that's kind of what happens with Christmas. And this made me think of Mary. 
as we're looking at this story, we read it on Sunday morning about, about the birth of Christ and how Mary is super excited. Like, think, put yourself in Mary's shoes. She gets angels coming to her house to tell her, you're going to have the Savior of the world. You're going to have a baby, and he's going to be Emmanuel. He's going to be God with us. He's going to change the world. And she's like, yes, this is awesome. And then, the, then she has the baby. Forget that it's in a manger. And those magi come, those, those people bearing gifts, and they kneel down in front of her, and they say, this is, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Glory to God in the highest. And there's fireworks, and she's like, yes, this is awesome. But then the magi leave. And then they have to leave the manger. And then, just like I just said, now Mary and Joseph have to raise Jesus. And they have to run for their lives with Jesus. And so this is kind of a thought tonight, a few days after Christmas. And it will be the same thing after New Year's. If you look forward to your birthday, it's the same. I know I'm, ta- I know I'm talking to somebody here tonight. Then you get to where you ha- you're looking forward to your birthday and then your birthday comes, and the next day you're like, uh, and then an anniversary, and, uh, and there's all these downers. But what I want you to understand tonight is you can have a relationship with the Lord where you don't have to have a downer. And you can look forward to the next day, and you can look forward to the next week, and you don't have to be someone who's looking for that next, next thing that's going to happen that's going to get you excited, because that next thing that's going to get you excited is that you woke up that Sunday morning or that morning and it had breath. I should have showed that, that, that video we showed again uh, last Wednesday, I think it was. Wasn't that awesome, where the guy woke up and tore the wrapping paper off his face, and it was a gift that he was breathing? And then he went to the socket, and he was turning the lights on and off, and it was a gift that the lights went on and off. And then he went over to the faucet, and he turned water on, and he was all excited because water was coming out. And then he put shoes on, and he was all excited because he had shoes. That's how we should be able to look at life and say, man, I am so blessed because I have all these things, amen, in my life. So I want to talk about this in Luke chapter 2, verse 17. I want you to read, just, just read a few verses. It says, now when they had seen him, They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, this is the key verse, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Father, for the next few minutes on this Wednesday night, anoint your word. Anoint these ears to hear. Father, change us by your word. Teach us something tonight. Help us, Lord, to know what to do after Christmas, to know what to do after the excitement wears off of something that we're doing, and just let us learn something that will be valuable to us tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, this happens as well with our relationship with the Lord. You think back to when you got saved. Just this week, I had somebody ask me a question, and it was a great question. And they said, how do you keep your first love? How do you make sure that you stay on fire for God? And this, this is, I was not even thinking about this when I began to do this message, but this is really an answer to that question. We have to go back to remember what it was like when we first got saved. How excited we were when we first got saved. Amen? Wasn't it exciting when you first got saved? You, you, you wanted to tell everybody about it. You felt this thing inside of you that was so amazing. And so it's so interesting how in relationships, in 
birthdays, in anniversaries, in Christmas, in our walk with God and all these things. We get this excitement and then it kind of goes downhill real fast. We have to be looking at what is it that makes me happy. You can look at sports. You can look at things, hobbies, things that you, that you look forward to. There are people that every year for their team or for their sports, they get excited because it's a new season. All us, all us poor Cowboys fans get excited every season that this is going to be the year. And then we play the worst game we could ever possibly play. My JV basketball team could have played better than they played Sunday. Can you say Amen. You get excited about sports, and you say this is, and then all of a sudden, bam! And it, that's kind of what happens. And so we can like something, we can be excited about something, we can have a hobby, but we can't put our affection so much in that that when something doesn't go our way, it gets us down. That's what God wants to show us how we handle after Christmas. I want you to think about this. This is a chauffeur. Had driven the chemistry professor. Think about this: a chauffeur driving a chemistry professor to dozens of speaking engagements, and he'd heard the same speech over and over, scores of times. And so, on one engagement to the speaking he was taken to, the professor he said to the professor, "Professor, I've heard your speech so many times that I believe I could give that speech myself." I remember we talked about on, on Sunday morning how um, I can sing a song and you can finish it because you've heard it so much. Let's do it again. On the first day of Christmas, what? A partridge in a pear tree. Nine, eight, you know, those are the tough ones. Five, okay, right? You've heard it so much that, that you just know it automatically, see? It didn't sound very good, but you knew it, Amen. And so he's like, I, Professor, I have heard this speech so many times. I promise you, I can recite that speech. And so the professor says, okay, you're on. He says, stop the car. We're changing clothes. I'm going to be the chauffeur, and you're going to be the professor. They got to the banquet, and the chauffeur dressed in a tuxedo, sat at the head of the table, and was introduced. He stood up and gave the speech exactly word for word as he had heard it so many times. The people gave him a standing ovation when he was finished. And he's smiling from ear to ear. Then the MC gets up and says, you know, we're so fortunate to have such a fine resource with, with us tonight. But since we have very little time or some extra time, we're going to take some questions. He says, the first question was asked, and the chauffeur stood there dumbfounded because obviously he did not know the answer. <clears throat> Clearing his throat in nervousness, he said, you know, that's just about the dumbest question I've ever heard. In fact, it's so dumb, I bet even my chauffeur could answer it. What am I trying to say? We can get so caught up in what we do that we get to where we say the right things and do the right things, but we have to ask the question, do we really know the meaning of Christmas? Do we really know the reason why we're here tonight? Amen? That's how you don't lose your first love. That's how you handle after Christmas, is that you don't get so caught up in the things of this world that you have those downers because your motivation is love. Your motivation is that Jesus died for you. And, 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 and no matter if you have gifts or parties or food or fellowship, your, your reason for waking up in the morning is that Jesus loves you and you have a relationship with him. Amen? And every relationship takes work. Amen? 
C.S. Lewis said this, we don't need to be told new ideas as much as we need to be reminded truths, real truths, amen? A lot of times today people are trying to reinvent the wheel and they're trying to be relevant and they're trying to bring out new stuff, but how many know truth is truth? And we need to stick with what the truth is tonight, amen? We know that the truth is that 2,000 years ago, the word became flesh, as we talked about on Sunday morning. And that Jesus came to change our lives and give us a second chance at life. So the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is, after Christmas, we have to reflect or ponder. That's what the Bible says in 17 that Mary did. She, 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 the Bible, let me read it again. She says, now when they had seen him, they made themselves, sorry, why are they known? She says, verse 19, sorry, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So she's beginning to realize, wow, this luster of excitement is going to wear off. And once everybody's gone, I have to raise this boy. She did not know necessarily that it was going to be 30 years before he started his ministry. And that, that at 12, she was going to have to deal with him running to the temple and saying, hey, uh, I'm, I need to preach the gospel, and she'd have to put him. You know, we don't think about that. We don't think about all the years that Mary had to deal with Jesus. Can you th- if you think you have a trouble with your, with your kid, try raising God. I mean, think about that. You think your kid gets arrogant or cocky sometimes? I mean, think about Jesus. Son, no. You know, I mean, he was a normal child. We don't know much about his life except that he was a carpenter and helped his dad. And that at one time at 12, he, he got into the, he got excited and wanted to go preach. That's all we know. But Mary had to ponder that outside, see, we, we, we have service like this, and, and, and we all sing and praise, and we come together. Everybody comes from different places, and it looks like we have it all together. But when we go home, we have to deal with our own personal things, Right? We all have to deal with our walk. And it's not about what showing up and saying, hey, I went to church. It's about living the life every day. Amen? That's what's going to keep it fresh. So you have, to, you have to think about these things. Let me give you another example. There was a wealthy European family who was going to dedicate their newborn baby. They had an enormous mansion. Dozens of guests were invited to the elaborate affair, and they all arrived elegantly dressed. As they began to deposit their, their, their clothes on a bed in an upstairs room, they, they, they realized, man, we are entertaining royalty. And so they began to have lots of fun, and they began to have lots of food and lots of fellowship. And soon it came time for the gathering and the reason why they were there, which was to dedicate the baby, the baby boy. And so all of a sudden they said, well, um, let's dedicate the baby. And as they looked around, the parents said, where is the baby? And everybody began to freak out. Everybody began to run around the house, this humongous mansion. No one knew where the child was. And so one of the, one of the people there ran upstairs, and with a desperate look on her face, I don't know where the baby is. Nobody knew where the baby was, although they were there for a baby dedication. Then someone recalled having seen him asleep on one of the beds. The baby was in a bed, all right. The baby was in a bed underneath all the coats and jackets and furs of all the people who came to celebrate that baby's dedication. They, they buried the baby in their coats. That's a picture, again, of what we can do so easily. We can say that we're celebrating God. It's like when you go to a, that's why I talked about that best gift. That's why the Lord showed me many years ago for me personally to do that. Because how, what is it like to show up at a birthday party and everybody gets gifts except the person who's having the birthday? 
So that's why we have to keep it in perspective and reflect as Christmas is over, how did I do this year? How did I personally, spiritually do? Did I make sure that in all the fun and all the food and all the gifts, did I keep Jesus as the reason for the season? Only you and only I can personally answer that. The second thing that we need to do after Christmas is keep on praising. We need to continue to praise. We can get to where we're at the beginning of December and we get extra excited. We sing those Christmas songs and Christmas carols and we, we get a little more cheerful. Think about this. What would happen to our world and our city and our families if we acted every month like we act during Christmas? If we would keep that giving spirit all year long. If we'd keep that generous spirit, if we'd get together like we get together, if we had that, that love and that atmosphere all year long. Some people say, well, we don't have the lights. You don't need the lights. It's in here. Amen. I'm just trying to get you to see that. So we keep praising. Verse 20 of, that, of our text says the shepherds had witnessed the world's greatest birth announcement. And, and they go on and they begin to, to praise the Lord. And they begin to um, say glory to God in the highest. They begin to, to tell all the things that they had heard and seen. And they went on to be evangelists of what they saw. What happened after Christmas for them? They became evangelists praising evangelist. You know what? It's not just to talk about Jesus this month. How about we talk about Jesus in January? Amen. How about we talk about Jesus in February? How about we talk about him in the middle of the week? And how about we talk about him all the time like we talk about him at this time? Amen. Luke 2 verse 10 says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Listen, this is personal. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And he says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. We can't read the Bible like it was for the shepherds. It's for us. We have all been given the gift of salvation. What are we doing with it? That's the question. What do I do after Christmas? You know, some people, if they get a gift they don't like, what do they do? They take it back. Lots of people, when they give gifts, they give the receipt with it. Or they say, hey, if this doesn't fit or you don't like it, um, you, here's the receipt. And how many can say amen for that? Come on, be real. Don't act hypocritical here. Amen. Some of you said, oh, thank you so much. And inside you're like, this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. This is not my size. This is not my taste. But you smiled. Oh, y'all, I'm trying to act all, all holy in here tonight. Nobody did that, right? What are they, what, what's the day after Christmas known as? The day people take, I went into a store today and they had a table there sitting there waiting for returns. Just full of returns. So what do we do with salvation? Do we give it back? Or do we accept it and we do something with it? Amen. He has given us a free gift. And so we have to keep on praising. But it's like, what, what do I personally do with this? This message has been given to me personally, to you personally, to the person next to you personally. What am I doing with this? The message of the angels is Jesus is your gift in Christmas. What are you going to do with it? Amen. Someone once said, we've become a generation of people. I want you to listen to this. Who worship our work. Work at our play and play at our worship. I'm going to read that again. I want you to think about that. We worship our work. We work at our play and we play at our worship. One man said our pews are occupied by people who want to be moved instead of people 
who want to move. We crave an experience of worship, but we don't work towards it. We were created to worship. Amen? And we don't have to have the right song or the right lighting or the right situation. We have to make a decision. I am going to glorify and praise the Lord in the good times and in the bad times. If it seems like Christmas or it seems like a dark dark day, if the sun's shining or the sun's not shining, if it's your type of weather or not your type of weather, we cannot be the kind of Christians that it's a good day if the, the climate's the way I want it and everything works out the way I want it. That's not what God's looking for. God's looking for some believers who don't go up and down so much and don't fluctuate so much, but they are just solid. They just say, Lord, if it's gloomy today, I'm going to be light in this gloomy day. And if it's sunny, Lord, I'm going to thank you for the sun. Amen. You don't, you don't get moved. I know people like this over the years. I've seen people like this. They they're moved by their emotions instead of their relationship with the Lord. Amen. And that's what God wants us to be. Finally, the last one is God wants us to proclaim him. Great leading at the offering. God wants us to proclaim him. He wants us to tell people about him. If you look at verse 17 and 18, it says, When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You know, we have a gift tonight that is priceless. How many believe that? Priceless. It's something that... Money cannot buy, and we don't deserve it. You know, the, the whole, whole culture has, 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 has made out this Santa Claus thing and be good and be bad, naughty and nice, check a list, check it twice, and all these different things. Nobody deserves, nobody's good enough for salvation. I was talking to someone today and reminding them that we are, we are fallen people. We are sinners. We are not worthy. Jesus said there is no one that's good. None. We are all sinners, yet God still chose to give us the free gift of salvation. And so what do we do with that? What do we do after Christmas? What do we do with the gift that God has given us? We have to proclaim it. We have to tell people about it. We have to share our faith with other people. And we need to make sure that we don't have a downer. And, and listen, I, you might not be, might be showing it, but some, I believe some of us here, and maybe a lot of us, are kind of like, man, Christmas is over. Now what? Now and we got to wait another year. Or maybe it's whatever, whatever time of the year you get excited about. God wants us to be exa- excited 365 days of the year. And he wants us to find a reason to wake up with a purpose. You know what? If you wake up knowing every day that you're supposed to tell something to someone about Jesus, that's a purpose. That's a reason to get up. There was a man named Luigi that was found dead one morning with a very, very little things in his home. Very little things. Yet, he had 246 violins. Very expensive violins that he had been collecting his whole life. Crammed into an attic. The very best of those violins was at the bottom drawer of a rickety uh, dresser. In his very, listen, in his very devotion to the violin and keeping them to himself, he had robbed the world of all the music those violins were supposed to play. Violins were not made to be stored. Violins were made to be played. We were not made to be uh, stored. We were made to be played. We were made to tell people about what Jesus did for us. Amen. We can't, we can't be stuck inside the storage of the church. We can't be in here keeping things to ourselves. 
And we have to understand that that's the same thing that happens in church. How many Christians today are like this man? We, ha- we fall in love with Jesus, but we keep Jesus to ourselves. We store him away, and we don't let anybody know about him. That's the challenge tonight. That's the challenge. You know, it's one of the hardest things to do is to preach a message after Christmas. Because all y'all look like you're hungover from food anyways. You look like you're in a food coma. Amen? And you're kind of like, man, you've had some days off. Kids are out of school. Um, It's cold outside. And there's all kinds. So this is one of the hardest messages to preach. But you know what the best thing I can do tonight? Challenge your faith. Continue to challenge you. Amen? What are you going to do after Christmas? I'm going to keep the fire. I'm going to stay in love with Jesus. I'm going to keep telling people about the Lord. I'm going to proclaim him. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I I didn't do a very good job of proclaiming the Lord this year. Well, guess what? 2018 is a new opportunity. Man, I I was not as close to the Lord as I wanted to be this year. Guess what? 2018 is a new opportunity. Man, I didn't outreach like I wanted to. I didn't worship like I wanted to. I didn't love people like I wanted to. Guess what? Starting Monday, new opportunity. New opportunity. There's something about the new year and the new leaf that you can turn over and you can say, man, even though it's, it's just the same, it's just another day, it is mentally an opportunity to start over. The Bible says that his mercies are what? New every morning. So just like the shepherds went away as I close and, and began to tell all the people that they had met the Lord and they'd met the G- Jesus, the Savior, we need to do the same thing. Isaiah 9, the last verse I'll give you, says this. Isaiah 9, verse 2, says, People walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. I'm going to read that again. This is a powerful verse, really powerful. This is a prophetic verse to today. How many would agree that we're living in some of the darkest times we've ever lived in? I'm talking spiritually. Some of the darkest times we've ever lived in. It might not seem like it to some people, but if you, if you have a spiritual pulse, you realize it's some of the darkest spiritual times we've ever lived in. People are further away from, I'm talking in general, further away from God than they've ever been, more in love with the world than they've ever been, more perverted than they've ever been, more angry than they've ever been, more greedy than they've ever been, and on and on and on. He says, people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You know what God's saying? I've got a people who are a light in this dark world. And on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And here it is, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. What do we do after Christmas? We think about it. We ponder it. We reflect. Amen. Then we keep on praising him for everything he's done. And then we proclaim him. Amen. And we tell people about him. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Oh, we thank you for bringing us together on this Wednesday night after Christmas and the Wednesday before New Year's. 
Lord, this is the last Wednesday we're going to have in 2017. And what a blessing it is to be in your house tonight. I count it an honor to be in your house. I count it an honor to be saved. And I count it an honor to be with other believers in this place tonight. I, I believe tonight there's some people here who are on fire for you, who are excited about you, who want to do great things this new year. We're not, we're not caught up, Lord, in all the things that are going on. And we're not depressed because Christmas. Christmas is over. We're excited that there's a new year coming. We're excited that there's new opportunities right around the corner. And Lord, we're excited, Lord, that one day soon you're coming back for your church. And Lord, we're looking for that tonight. And Lord, I just pray right now tonight that you would bring into this place a spirit of faith, a spirit of hope, a spirit of excitement, Lord, that we would ponder and reflect on on this year of what we've already seen, but we would also begin to praise you, Lord, for the new opportunities to come and never stop proclaiming who you are because you have given us a gift. This gift to me tonight is personal. Lord, I can't make a decision for one person in here but myself. And I make the decision tonight, Lord, that I'm going to praise you and I'm going to proclaim you. But one of the things that as you think, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as you think about that reflecting part, is you look at your life and you say, Lord, show me the things this year that I did right so that I can focus on those things and I, I can continue to do those and I can grow on those. And also, Lord, show me the areas in my life that I've, that I've not been where you want me to be, that I've not done what you want me to do, that I've, I don't want to say failed, but I've fallen short or, or I've missed the mark. Help me see that tonight so that I can change that, so that I can make that better tonight. And as we begin to go into this new year, we can say, Lord, as I reflect I'm going to praise you regardless of what I did because it's already over and I can't fix that. And I praise you for another chance. Even if you're here and you say, you know what, this was a good year. I feel like I, I, feel like I did a lot of the things that the Lord wanted me to do. I feel like I was a generous giver. I feel like I, I told people about the Lord. I feel like I had self-control and lived a godly life. And if you're, doing, if you're saying that, that's great. You can praise God for that, but you can also say, Lord, you've got something even better for me in 2018. A better year. A better opportunity. And Lord, I'm going to proclaim you. I'm going to be the light in this dark world, Heavenly Father. To a lost and dying world. Tonight all over this place, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, there are many people tonight all over this world who are breathing their last breath. Passing into eternity. Passing into eternity. Never having the chance again to make a decision to follow Christ. We only get one chance at life. And once we breathe our last breath, it is over. And then we must stand before a living God and give an account for what we did with our lives. I thank God tonight that Jesus said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And if you believe in me, though you may die, though you may lose your life, you can live because of what I did for you. Tonight, how many would be honest all over this place with God and say, I don't know where I'd spend eternity tonight if I passed away. I don't know if I died and breathed my last breath tonight. I don't know where I'd spend it. I don't know where I'd go. 
I don't know what I'd say to a living and holy God tonight, but I want to know tonight. The Bible says you can know. You can be forgiven and you can be saved. How many would be honest and say, would you pray for me tonight? I need to say the prayer of a sinner's prayer. I need to be forgiven. God bless you. I need to know tonight that I am saved. I need, God bless you. I need to know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm I'm not sure. The Bible says today is the day of your salvation. You might not ever have a chance to step into a church again. Might not ever have a chance to listen to a gospel message again. That's why we're here tonight. We're here to proclaim Jesus. We're here to proclaim that he's coming soon. We're here to proclaim that he's the answer to your problems. He's the answer to your your hopeless life tonight. He's real. As we stand to our feet all over this place, please stay in reverence. Keep your eyes closed and bow your heads. I want, I want to give everyone in this place the opportunity to be sure tonight that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That your name is in the book of life tonight. This is a moment you'll never have again. As a night like tonight where we know we're in the last Wednesday of 2017, it, we can really, really focus and concentrate on that because in a new year we think, oh, it's just another Wednesday. This is the last one of this year. Are you ready? Do you know Jesus? Are you saved? Are you forgiven? Are you covered in the blood of Jesus? The Bible says that if you don't know Jesus Christ and if you haven't accepted what God sent down as your sacrifice, as your answer, you you can't stand before a living God without Christ. He's the one who paid the price for you. Today's your today is your day. Tonight is your night. I'm going to give just another opportunity. That's me. Please pray for me. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Amen. God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? I'm not ashamed tonight. I'm not afraid. I'm not going to be there when you stand before God. Your wife, your kids, your husband, your children, they're not going to be there. You're going to stand before God for yourself. What are you going to say to a holy and living God? You might say tonight, you know what? I don't even know if I believe in God. Well, you will. You will. Because the Bible says even the demons believe in him. Even the demons know he's real. And they shudder at his word. He's real. You can say, I don't believe him, but there's going to be no atheists in hell. Everybody's going to. The Bible tells me that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Heads bowed and eyes closed, please. Nobody looking around. All over this place. How many more? I'm going to wait just a moment. I'm not promised tomorrow either. I'm not promised. I want you to be saved tonight. I want you to know Jesus. Maybe you're here and at some time in your life you said that prayer. You accepted Christ. You said, Jesus, I believe in you. But tonight you, you've allowed things in your life, maybe in the last few months or even years, and you've allowed things to come in and you've gotten cold and you've, you've, you've gone back to your old ways. And tonight you want to rededicate your walk with the Lord. Say, that's me. Just put your hand up all over this place. Amen. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to do one more thing. If you raised your hand tonight, as we keep our heads bowed and eyes closed, all over this place, if you, if you raised your hand and you meant it, I want to ask you to step out of your seat and come down to this altar, and I want to pray for you. Just step out quickly. Don't wait for somebody else. Just come down here. 
and pray with me. We're going to pray the sinner's prayer tonight. Amen. Maybe, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but right now something's tugging on your heart and saying, I need to go down there. I need, I don't, I don't, I need to get some things right with God. I'm not going to wait for somebody else. I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm doing this for me. I'm going to stand before God. Amen. Let's give them a hand as they come tonight. How many more? How many more? I'm going to wait just a minute. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but something inside is you saying, I'm not right with God. I've got to make a decision tonight. I promise you someday you'll thank me for waiting. You'll thank me for asking. You've got to make a decision. This is, this is real life. This isn't, this isn't a fairy tale. This is truth. We are going to one day breathe our last breath. You know, I was thinking just this week, just a couple days ago, you know, things can change overnight. If anybody saw, there was a humongous fire downtown of a building that's been there for a long time. And, they, man, they showed on the news, those flames were 50 feet high in the air. I mean, it burnt fast. All the stuff in that store is destroyed. Tons of stuff that's old and antique and it's gone. 4 a.m. in the morning, least time expected, bam, gone. That's, that's how our life is. We can go to bed one night and not wake up the next morning. Just got a text today that I sent to the intercessors of just someone's family of a family of our church that didn't wake up Christmas morning. I mean, it's just like that. You don't, you, we, we take it for granted that we're going to lay our heads down tonight and we're going to get up in the morning. We can't do that. And it's not to live in fear. I'm not saying that to scare you. We've got to make sure I'm right with God. Because, listen, there, there's, no, there's no purgatory. There's no place that you go so your family can pray you in after. There's no place that you go to see, see if what you did was right or wrong, more right or wrong, to see how the scales weigh out. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, then judgment. I'll tell you what, I'm thankful tonight that if I breathe my last breath, I'm going to wake up in the presence of God because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and that is why I am saved. I don't have to be afraid because my faith is in what Jesus did. Amen. One last call. That means that if you're here, you said that prayer, and you're good. We're going to make this prayer all together tonight. And we're going to ask Jesus to come into our lives, into our hearts, and he's going to change you tonight. He's going to, he's going to write your name in the book of life, and everything you've ever done is going to be forgiven. Let's say this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for this night because it was appointed that I would be here tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me while I was a sinner, right where I'm at. Father, thank you for sending Jesus from heaven to this earth to live a perfect life so he could die a sacrificial death for me and take my place and taste death for me and defeat death for me so I can live eternally in your presence. Jesus, forgive me tonight. For all of my sins, because I admit that I'm a sinner, I confess to you tonight that I need a Savior and that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead three days later. Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And I declare tonight 
as your word says, that I am a new creation. All the old things in my life right now are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise tonight for these prayers. As they begin to sing a song tonight, let's just stay at the altar. The altars are open. Let's, let's find a place tonight and just spend some time with the Lord. And let's say, Lord, what, what am I going to do after Christmas now? What, what am I, how am I going to handle this? Let's reflect a little bit and ponder a little bit tonight how I can live the life God wants me to live. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit.